Good morning. It is good to be with you. I'm Joel, and uh, I am a transformed follower of Jesus Christ. Anybody else out there? Awesome. That means you're excited to jump into the Word of God with me today. 1 John chapter 1. I'd like to go ahead and ask you to open up that passage, 1 John chapter 1. As you turn to 1 John chapter 1, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Yesterday, uh, just today, this whole week, we've had a family visiting with us from Nashville. And they're here, and we were all sitting around the table in the kitchen area uh, yesterday. And I had my wife speaking to me, a kid speaking to me, a couple of those friends speaking to me all at the same time and it was loud and you know when some people are starting to talk then others get louder because they're the ones who want to be heard any parents in identifying with me right now right and it just keeps going and going and finally I was like stop like they had so many voices hitting me and I didn't know who to listen to because I'm trying to be polite to our friends and also respectful with my wife and then my kids I don't want them to think that I'm ignoring them all these things are running through my mind at one time and I said stop And I think for some, that's how we feel in the world right now. We have all of these voices speaking to us, and we're not sure which ones to listen to. Anybody? Anybody identifying what I'm talking about? Does anybody not trust any media, no matter who it is, no matter what? Right? No, you understand? Like, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful of media if you work for them. It's just so many voices, though. And I'm like, but they're saying the exact opposite of them. And then the, the next week, they all change their opinion on all of that they just shared from a week ago, no matter what they said. And I'm going, there's too many voices. And I'm reminded in those moments that I've got this wonderful freedom because the only voice that actually matters to me is the Word of God. And so many have these distractions that are taking place right now that are unfolding, that's, that's happening in front of us. I'm reminded of the passage. This is the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 7.35. It's not on your notes, but I would encourage you to just scribble, to, scribble this down real quick. Just 1 Corinthians 7.35. might be an encouragement for you guys throughout the week. Words of Paul speaking to the people of Corinth. And he says, I'm saying this for your benefit. And I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter, of course. But he said, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. A lot of times we hear all these voices and we may respond a a certain way just because they're they're telling us what to do. Like how many of you have, you know, somebody said, hey, have you washed your hands? Like I've been asked so many times the last five months if I've washed my hands. And so now, right, I've used personally three to four gallons a day of Purell. Anybody else? Well, I won't wash my hands just because they told me to, but I use Purell. Like, it's like sometimes we think, oh, who are you to tell me what to do? That's how we even approach God. Who is he to tell us what to do? It's like, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying something to you for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I'm trying to help you. So when someone says, have you washed your hands, they may not be being mean and just trying to place your They're trying to help you, lighten up. I want you to do whatever will help you to serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And right now, we have so many distractions being just coming at us from every direction. And it can be hard to know kind of where to stand and where to go and what to do and uh, it's like me yesterday with my family and friends. I just want to say, stop. 
one at a time. And even coming into worship right now before we open up the precious word of God. Some of you may be distracted and you may be here because you feel like you're obligated and you just can't. All you're thinking about is what's happening later today or tomorrow and you're distracted. Maybe there's just hardship in your life right now and you're distracted. And you're not even focusing on the voice of the Lord because you have so many other voices already just coming and bombarding you. So before we go any further, can we call out to God to remove the distractions? God, I come before you declaring you're king. You're my king. Declaring your eternal, declaring your majesty. I'm, I praise you, God. We worship you. We cry out your name. Adonai. Yahweh, God, please. Thank you for hearing our cries and may we give voice, may we give matter to you more than anything else. So speak into our hearts, God. We're asking to hear your voice. Amen. Amen. I'll give you a little bit of a summary. If you weren't here a week ago, we started jumping into this series, Intensify Your Faith, 1 John, okay? And so we're looking at this and all that's, that's happening. And uh, if you didn't listen to that, if you weren't here, uh, whether you're online watching with us or if you're here or another venue, it doesn't matter, go back and watch that because I, I do think it's important to understand the foundation of 1 John. In fact, it's crucial to understand the impact that the rest of 1 John is to have in our life and the role that it is to play. When we're looking at this, we know that John, this is John, son of Zebedee, I believe, who also wrote the Gospel of John, also the book of Revelation. And so here he is calling out one of the most faithful men to Jesus Christ. Um, and he's here, and he's speaking to the people. And the people are leaving the ministry. They're leaving their faith in the church. These were second and third generation believers. This had been roughly... 90 AD, roughly 50, in that range, you're looking at probably, once again, 55, 60 years after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and then his resurrection. And so these are second and third generation believers, and they're already stepping away from the faith. It's like, why? We were able to speak about a week ago that, hey, listen, you can't give your faith to your kids. They need to receive it for themselves. That's part of the reason why is I think very quickly we go to that place where we want to tell our kids what to believe. I'm very aware with my four kids that they need to learn to believe the truth for themselves. I can't force them to do that. And so I invite lots and lots of questions in our home so that they can have the freedom to explore what that is. And, and because I believe that God will reveal himself. It's just a matter of what we do when God does reveal. And some automatically resist it and some are open to it. And a lot of that's based on the foundation they've been given. Not all of it, but a lot of it. 
And so here are these second and third generation believers stepping away from the faith. And one of the reasons why I think is because I think they had distractions in their life. Right? All these different voices. In fact, in 1 John, there's a lot of false teachers that that had come out and they're starting to teach different things. So now they're being distracted based on even what sin is. Right, that's a word that sometimes we don't like to say. In fact, can we just go ahead and all together say the word sin? sin? There you go. It's easy to say. And they're coming and they're being distracted. They're having all these voices speaking into their life about even what sin is. And they're spreading lies about the nature of sin. And how the, the believer, the person of faith, should even cope with sin. And some were saying that they were above sin because they acknowledged Jesus Christ, so now they're above sin. That's not true. That's not the word of God. And others said that because they believed in Jesus Christ, what they were speaking is sin didn't matter anymore. And sin definitely still matters. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this is being addressed and people are being distracted and they're not sure which voice to listen to. And if you're not grounded in truth, what happens is you just listen not only necessarily to the loudest voice, the majority of people, please hear this, if not grounded in truth, the majority of people will listen to the voice that agrees with where their heart already is the most. Because then you don't have to change. Right, then you actually feel good about yourself. Like, oh, okay, yeah, they, they're already kind of in, in agreement with me. The majority of people don't listen to the loudest voice. They listen to the voice that already agrees with where their heart is the most. And so if you're a person who's prideful and you don't want to even acknowledge sin in your life, someone who comes along and says, hey, listen, you don't have to worry about sin anymore. Just live your own life. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, I, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's legit. I can go there. And so these are the messes that are happening. And they have so many distractions, so many mixed voices being or feeding into their hearts and minds about what faith is. And they don't really know what to do with it. And so he's going to start addressing this by speaking to the, the nature of who God is. And that's, he, he certainly began that last week when we looked at 1 John chapter 1, the first four verses. We're going to continue by looking at the nature of God here, even what he's calling out in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And so as we read this together today, once again, let's stand for the reading of the word of God. Would you with me? This is what it says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light. Say that. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. Now this is, this is going to be tough to hear. So listen to this. Like right now, some of you, this may not agree with your heart. And so you may go, oh, that guy on the stage, I'm not coming back here. Just listen. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie 
and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we walk in the light as he, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. Just in the I am's, right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, it's one of the teachings that they were listening to and going, oh, wait, this is, is this right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you. God is light. God is light. So here's the nature of God, right? He was, and even Christ, his son, from the beginning, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here he is. He is light. Darkness stands for the Christless life. It represents the life man had before encountering Jesus, darkness. And now you step into the light when you acknowledge who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, actually is. Darkness symbolizes a life Darkness symbolizes a life of chaos without God. And so here, here's John calling out, oh, God is light. And right now you're experiencing chaos because you've got all of these distractions, all of these other voices speaking in, and you're not, you're not being able to discern which voices you should be listening to. And so he starts letting them know, man, God, God is light. God's nature is his very nature is light, it's majesty, it's splendor. God is morally perfect and pure. And the beauty of God, as you're going to learn from this passage, that God can't be manipulated or influenced by sin as we can. God being light, God's guidance, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Psalm. And so you've got to understand this nature of who God is. This nature of who God is. And he's speaking of the deception that we, we have in life and all the different distractions and the different voices that they're listening to. And this is what he says. So I'm just going to walk through this passage with us today very, very clearly. And he says, this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness. There's the nature of God. He's light. There's no darkness. There's no sin in him. He is perfect in all things. His son is perfect in all things. Right, so um, if you go to the first few verses, that's one. Of, and even throughout this epistle from into 1 John, it's one of those things from last week we established. Hey, he's letting you know very clearly who Jesus is. He's calling it out. He does the same thing in the gospel of John as well. They, they are just so beautifully intertwined and, and worked together to proclaim who God and Jesus is. And so here he's, he's speaking up. And he lets them know, hey, here's God. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. And so if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. 
if we say that we have intimacy, this is one of the key primary themes of 1 John is that we can have fellowship with God, intimacy with God, that we can know him more and more and in a mature way. We're going to talk about that more here in just a moment. But what we're learning here is that if we want to have fellowship with God, if we say that we have fellowship, if we say we're a follower of Jesus, if we say that we're a disciple of Christ, but yet you're still walking in darkness, we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. I can't keep saying I love my wife and look at her in the eyes and say, Melissa, honey, I love you so much. And then I go off and, and I lie to her about other things. Because that's not love. That's deception. And so if you want to have fellowship, intimacy with God... You can't continually walk in darkness. And the reason, you know, even before I had you say the word sin is we don't like that word anymore. How dare someone else tell me that I've done something wrong? All right, some of, some of us, that's our posture toward it. And that's arrogance, that's pride. Like you, me even saying that probably for some probably got you ruffled a little bit. Guys, I'm speaking the word of God. It says it right here. So then your problem's actually not with me, it's with, the, with God. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. If we, but if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, not only is he speaking about fellowship with God right now, now he's even going to incorporate the fact then you're going to know what it is to have this sweet, intimate fellowship with other people. Right? That, what, what that means is, man, all of a sudden you're striving to know God and you recognize others are doing the same thing and you get to have an, a relationship with each other that is just something special, that is something sweet about it, where you know you can rely on one another. You know that you can trust each other. Right? Several months ago, this was for my great-grandmother's 100th-year-old birthday party we're driving and I'm 30 minutes south have a flat tire and all of a sudden I start talking to my friend Gary and Brad one of them's out here right now and I just saw him and I was like okay and in the middle of the night they're helping me get everything done so I can get my tire fixed I can get on the road drive all the way through the night to get down there and I go okay wait a second these are people that I can trust right there's a fellowship with it it makes me on Saturday night sometimes I can't sleep just because I'm so excited to hang out with you guys and worship God on Sunday morning Anybody else get like that? Right now, I don't want you to lie, but right now, it's okay too. Like, like, I get so excited to come worship God together. Like the singing while ago, I'm like, yes, and please. I almost came out and just said, Nathan, just keep singing. I'm just going to sit out here. And he would have done it. I would have heard about it tomorrow, but he would have done it. Because we get to worship together. You get to have fellowship with each other. It's one of the most beautiful things about having fellowship with each other is let me tell you this now. Even if you make mistakes, we're always going to, as Chapel Point, we will always point you to Scripture. We will always point you to the Word. But we so deeply believe that God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. We're going to love you no matter what. It doesn't mean we're not going to speak truth into your life. 
We're going to speak this into your life, even when your heart says, I don't like that. Because that's not how I feel, so that must not be true. We're going to say, no, this is true. But we're still going to love you. But this, verse 6 and 7 both. Really what it reminds me of is that understanding. And it's something I will always continually speak about because I think it's so important for us to understand this. If you, if you, if you, have, if you have God over here, right? You got Satan way over here. I'm getting my exercise in for the day. I'm done. So God way over there, Satan way over here, and you're here, and you know that you got all these voices that you're listening to, and you feel like you're being distracted. You know that Satan, what's he want you to do? Take one small step that way. That's how, that's how Satan works. And he wants to plant those lies and deception and distract you just enough. So you take one, well, I mean, they're, they're, that's a good guy, and I know he believes some stuff that's not in Scripture, but, I mean, like, that must be okay. And we just keep doing it. And we keep doing it. And we keep doing it. And we keep doing it. And you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand, please. Yes? If not, I'll say it a different way. We don't have another service after this. I can keep going. It'd be a, it's to your benefit just to agree with me right away. And that's why we just keep taking those small steps. And that's what we're seeing here. When you unpack it, if we walk in light and he is in, he is in the light, we, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So are we sinners, yes or no? But do we have forgiveness? Have we been cleansed already by the blood of Christ? So that's the joy. Right? Too many churches today are either you're a sinner and they're like, they're, you're horrible, you got to know, you're just, you're, you're a wretch no matter what, and they just camp out on that. Or you have the other side and they're like, hey, listen, just love other people. And if you love other people, you're loved by God no matter what you do. Sin doesn't really matter anymore. I can feel, does anybody else feel like in the world it's those two extremes? What we're saying is, listen, yes, you are a sinner. We want to acknowledge the sin in our life because we know the more we can acknowledge the sin in our life, the more we can get rid of it and the closer we can step toward God where there's even more joy and more peace. But guess what? No matter what, no matter what you've done, God adores you. That's the Bible. A lot of times we don't know how to live in that middle. We don't know how to do that. So here he is. Jumping in. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And guys, listen, Harry, he's about to speak some real. If you say you have no sin... Some people, we can't even say it. We're just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I messed up. Hey, you know, and some people can't even say they messed up. You, do you have those people in your life? Don't raise your hand on this one. Who say, hey, listen, I could have done something a little better. <laughs> they won't even acknowledge that they have sin in their life. They just say they could have done something a little better. We need to acknowledge that we have sin in our life. That's the beauty of having Jesus. And here it is, verse 8 calls it out. If we say we have no sin, we de you're deceiving yourself. Don't deceive yourself. It says we deceive ourselves 
and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. If we, if we confess our sins, if we acknowledge, God, yeah, you know what? I've got some sin in my life, and I'm starting to believe some things, and, and they're not grounded in Scripture. They just make my heart feel better, and actually, they just make me not have to learn what I really believe. And so I'd rather just go along with it. That's a lot easier, and I, I equate easier with, with better fellowship and with, with a better life, so I'd rather just not have to step into it. Am I hitting anybody right now? We look at this, we go, okay, wait a second. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, all these world religions, how many times do we have to say it? There, people look at Christianity and they say, listen, it's so exclusive. It's the only world religion that's inclusive. You don't have to earn it because you can't earn it. It doesn't matter where you were born, what you were born into, and the sin that you've had in the past. All you have to do is say Jesus is Lord and have faith in him and commit your life to him. It's the only religion that's inclusive. Every other religion tells you what you have to obey otherwise, and, and the more you can obey, the more you can possibly even become a god for some of them and everything else. And you go, wait a second. Let's just confess our sin. I acknowledge I'm a sinner, but there's a joy that I have because of the, the beautiful forgiveness of Jesus. That's the joy. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. So here, you, if we can acknowledge our own wrongdoing, guys, we're about to share in communion. We can't say God is a just God and then say that there's no consequence for wrongdoing. And so what he said was, hey, listen, there's got to be a consequence to this. There has to be a penalty. I'll let my son pay that. Wow. I'm trying to give you some language to use with friends here, by the way. You cannot be in fellowship with Christ while choosing to live in darkness. Listen to this again. You cannot be in fellowship with Christ while choosing to live in darkness. There's a choice that we're, we're always making, and we've, we're so we've got all these distractions, all these voices speaking in, and we're going, which one am I going to listen to? And so what we have to do is we have to take the Word of God and measure everything right here. I'll tell you some of the most dangerous people out there. People who claim to know Jesus and yet don't measure their lives by this. Because that's one of the most confusing things there is. Right? We're, we want to be witness to a lost, hurting world that there's always hope. Yes or no? Yes or no? Like, come on. I'm talking about a joy that we have in Jesus Christ here. We want to be a representative of Jesus so that everybody knows there's hope and joy in Jesus Christ. Yes. So as a result of that, we need to then weigh everything according to his word. What's so confusing for the world is all this, you got all these different people who claim, yeah, I know Jesus. 
And yet they're not, they're weighing their decisions about life and their preferences based on whatever's convenient of the day and which friends they have in this season of life rather than something that never changes is always constant. So he's like, man, this is why you're struggling to have fellowship with God. You got these second and third generation people. They're stepping away and they're not having the fellowship with God, the koinonia, right, that is speaking about with one another nor with God. And so as a result of that, you've got some struggles. But if you really want to have fellowship with God, he's laying out in these verses just as last week, here are some things that you better be doing if you want to have that type of fellowship with God and with other people. Here are some things that have to happen. Here are some conditions. I want to run through these in about three minutes. So get ready for this. Just write them down if you would. One, first condition. If you want to have fellowship with God, what he's saying, what I've already said is you need to walk in the light. He identifies the nature of God as being light. You can jot down John 8, 12 with that also if you'd like to. One of the I am's. So here, walk in the light. If we're walking in the light, then we can acknowledge his redeeming power and his purpose for us. And as we draw close to the light, here's what happens. This is, guys, you're going, okay, yeah, walk in the light. I've heard this before at church. I hope you've absorbed it. Here's what walking in the light does. You ready for this? Walking in the light will always make you painfully aware of the dark places in your own life. It exposes them. Walking in the light, the light of God, the light of the world exposes the darkness in your own heart. And for some of us, we don't want to acknowledge that. We want to run from it. I want you to acknowledge it because I want you to acknowledge the beauty that can come from doing that. And then you'll, ironically, that's where you'll find freedom. So when, you, when I say walk in the light, that means you're going, to be, you're going to be exposed to the darkness that's still there in your life. It makes you just go, what, what distractions do you have in your life that won't even let you acknowledge that, that to let you see, man, I've got some dark areas. Maybe that's a great thing for you to go home, whether you're online watching or in the other venue here, it doesn't matter. Like any of you like to go home and say, hey, here's a distraction I have in my life, I think right now. It's a fun exercise. Here's a dark place that the light of the world is exposing to me. Revealing. Second thing, a second condition, if you really wanna have fellowship with God and fellowship with others, we need to begin confessing sin, not simply excusing sin. Years ago, it was 25 years ago, and this hit me when I was preaching in the last service. I still remember this guy. I, I was preaching in all the different colleges in the state of Georgia at the time, forever ago, and um, I went to speak at this conference, and this pastor, and I so wish I knew his name, because it was a quarter of a century ago, and I still remember what he said. And he spoke to this very thing. He says, guys, we need to stop making light of our sin. We need to acknowledge it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. 
when you treat it flippantly, is what he was communicating. When you treat sin flippantly, you're treating the resurrection and the crucifixion in the same way. Right? Does that do that to anybody else? And so we just want to brush our sin aside and say, yeah, okay, I'm a sinner, God. I get it, but I'm saved by grace. And then we don't even start acknowledging the sin that's still there and we're not walking in the light. So we're not even willing to allow that darkness in the corner of our life to be exposed. That pornography or that idol of money or knowing that we're really just expecting God to do what we want. And if God doesn't do what we want, we get so angry at God because we actually don't believe he's the eternal God who knows all things, all ways, all thoughts. And so we begin to confess our sin and call them out, knowing we've been saved by them. That's the joy. Knowing we've been saved, we've been redeemed. Praise God! But we don't simply brush them aside because we know what it led to. couple passages for you to write down before I hit the last one very quickly. Hebrews 3.13, Matthew, uh, Hebrews 3.13, Matthew 13.22. Some passages that help us to understand, to have an understanding of the sin in our life. Lastly, a condition of having fellowship with God. It means that we trust in Jesus, not self. We trust in Jesus and not in self. Anybody who knows me at all knows that I am a... Uh, I'm a worker. I was raised, part of it maybe is personality, but I was raised. It's just work ethic, discipline. Like very young age, I remember third grade, plowing, you know, with a hand rototiller, a half acre, which I think is a lot of land like, for the farm, for the, for the garden. And we would can everything so we could eat during the winter. And like, I just, I grew up going to the farm. My grandma had, and you just worked hard. If you didn't work hard, you weren't a good person. There's a lot of value to that thinking, but there's some also really dangerous parts of that thinking right I, I have this inward thing where I can't work enough I can't work hard enough and I need just to rest in God right and just know that I'm saved by his grace right you can't I'm that guy you can't judge me more harshly than I judge myself so go ahead I don't care so there's a lot of there's some good there and an the American culture would say look at you you're a hard worker guess what though I need to sit in the joy of knowing Jesus Christ and there's not enough work I can do to earn that. He just gave it to me. Isn't that good? And that means for me, instead of trusting in how much I can do, I need to just trust that Jesus is sovereign. I need to trust that Jesus will keep all of his commands. God, I thank you that we can acknowledge the truth that we know, that your body has been broken, that your blood has been shed through your son, Jesus Christ, so that we may know what it is to say that my joy has been made complete. God, may we not get distracted 
May we not hear voices that are leading us astray from your word and your truth. God, protect the hearts of these friends who are here in this place or watching online or in the venue next to us. God, I pray they acknowledge how sweet it is, God, to be in fellowship with you. In Christ's name, amen.